Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this podcast, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Head over to thebridgelive.org and find access to all of our church information. Plus, it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at the Bridge Church. But most importantly, I hope you find the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey, getting from where you are to where you want to be. Cross that bridge. Enjoy. Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to start in a little bit, but uh, your identity, your personal identity, if you've been following along, along, along for these uh, last five weeks, we've, we're, it's how you see yourself, right? And we see these guys... And I think everybody in this room can relate to that guy, yeah. right? <clears throat> Put too much emphasis on what people say and, or what people have said in the past, and it really just is a lie. It's basically a lie, okay? Um, and if you were here last week when we did the drawing on the whiteboard, if you weren't here last week, get a handout, watch the video um, because your identity is directly tied to these tendencies that people have sewn into your life. Whether you've believed it or not, you've heard it, and it's registered in your heart someplace, right? And these tendencies lead to actions which end up with consequences which are your reality. And, and that's what everybody complains about, the reality. It's like, I hate my life, it sucks. Well, it's all backwards tied into these tendencies that somebody has sown into you at some point in your life, yeah. right? Yeah. So today I want to talk to you about, about God's masterpiece. And, and I think all of us, I remember in my life, there's been times <laughs> where you've, you've shown up at, at a thing and you're trying to be like your life is all together. It's, it's social media in a nutshell, right? You never see anybody on social media say, my life sucks today. I got yelled at by my boss. I was late. The car broke down. All this stuff. You never see that on social media. You always see my life is great. And they show a bunch of this and look at how cool I am and look at how great I am. It's all a bunch of lying. And it's pathetic. And we do it. This is the number one reason when I run into other pastors at pastors' conferences, the secret code word, how's your church doing? That's secret pastorese for how many people you got coming. And I'll sidestep and go around that, and I won't even answer the question. I'll say, oh, I don't know, half a million? How many people are in Utah? Three, four million? Yeah, you know, it's massive. It's huge. And it's amazing because pastors do this, and it sucks, but this is just the way it is. They ask you how your church is doing, and then you're supposed to throw out a number, and in that number... It's supposed to like have a scale to it on how important you are, right? How many of you know numbers aren't really important? Discipleship is important, right? So the thing is, is when we're trying to be fake or we're trying to be something we're not, it's pathetic and it's lying, right? John Ortberg, I don't know if you know who he is. I read a book when I was in college, and he talks about being at a pastor's conference and, and do going, you know, how's your church doing? And, and he's having this argument inside his own head about how should he answer this question. And, you know, at that time he had, you know, maybe 200 people coming. And he's, he's like, you know, should I say 200? Should I say 250? Should I say 300? What should I say? And, and the Holy Ghost inside of him is saying, just be honest. 
So he turns to the guys and he says, yeah, we have about 2,000 coming. <laughs> he totally lies, right? <laughs> so we could see if it's, you know, it's pathetic and it's a lying when we're trying to be someone else and we're all doing it, right? We all try to be somebody else. We all try to act like our life is together when it's a hot train wreck, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's a word for this and it's in your handout and there's a definition in there and it's called perception management, okay? And the def definition is, is a technique that involves carefully altering the perceptions of an audience to suit the objectives of the sponsor. And then the second part says it's an essential part of modern information warfare. Every news channel on TV does this every day. They are twisting things and turning things to make you believe one thing or another. Happens all day. But we do it on a personal level, too. You know, we'll say certain things or leave a certain part of the story out that might make us look bad or, or whatever. Are you with me? Right? This is called perception management, and we see it all the time. Okay? And, and it's, it's pretending, and it's lying and a lot of times with all of us, if we were, uh, I, I believe, focused and, and in line with the will of God, other people's opinions won't matter, right? And I, I know being in front of people and pastoring and being in ministry, the, t the ticket to the whole thing is this. You have to keep your eyeballs focused on Jesus, you can't see who's coming in. You can't see who's going out. You can't even ask about it because people come and go. That's part of the deal. It's a parade through a church. It's just the way it is. And the problem, you know, if we have, uh, I was meeting with another, uh, one of the pastors from Adventure. We have coffee every once in a while, and we were talking about this. And I said, if our church stays at 20 people for the rest of my career, I will be fine with it. I won't even care. Because I'm going to do what God said for me to do. Now, my desire is to grow and expand, uh, move our tent stakes out, as we pray all the time, and influence and disciple the whole city. But it's up to God to bring the increase. Are you with me about this? What we do, why do we do these things? Why is this perception management such a big deal in our lives? And it's this, it's because we think our lives are less impressive than they ought to be, and we're disappointed in ourselves. I mean, I've said this, I can't tell how many times in my life, I should be further along in my life than I am right now. Yeah. Especially with my walk with God, I should be further along. These things that I deal with shouldn't be bothering me anymore. I should be past this. So we construct this influence this perception that we got it all together and we are just tight and right and everything's great the bills are paid we're debt free you know we you know we've all everybody in this place maybe okay but we've all bought a car that we can't afford right rented a house we can't afford put our kids in a school we can't afford because we need to say to somebody our kids go to st mary's springs and it costs a fortune to do blah 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 it's like yeah but is that what God said to do? Maybe God's telling you to homeschool those kids. Maybe God's telling you to do something else. But we're so enthused and enamored with the perception of looking good 
that we fail, right? And we get ourselves into uh, trouble. And actually, we're in this series because number one is it's an identity issue. You don't know who you are. And you don't understand the influence that, that you have. We're seeking, ident write this down, the, the pretense or pretending or perception management is seeking identity in the perception of others. I need to look good, right? I, mean, I know, uh, you know, we've had students in our ministry with eating disorders because they, they're afraid to gain an ounce because of a perception, you know, especially in Southern California where everybody's, you know, cute and rich. I bet if we looked up behind the scenes, it would be a whole nother story. You know, pretense is eliminated when we can start to believe the truth of the word. And that's what we're going to do today. Are you with me? Yeah. Number one on your handout. Here we go. Okay. And we're going to say this, say it with me. I am God's masterpiece. Now you're going to have to say it like you believe it because that was pretty weak. Okay. Because the, the enemy's listening, too. It'd be like, you don't believe that. You don't believe that for a second. You don't believe you're God's masterpiece. So let's try it again. I am God's masterpiece. That's better. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, we're going to read 10 verses this morning, okay? Everybody okay with that? Why can't I be on the right page today? All right, verse 1. He says this. This is Paul writing to the uh, church in Ephesus uh, to a very young pastor. He says, and you, he made alive. Right? Now, remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about Romans chapter 5, how one man's death brought death to everybody. And we have to be made alive in this because we were dead. It doesn't merely, we don't need a guide. We don't need a push. We don't need a help. We need to be resurrected to understand what's happening here, right? It's called being born again. It's uh, the whole premise of this whole series is you have to be born again because the dead man is gone. You are raised to life, right? Like our shirts say, and, and you can understand spiritual principles when you're born again, really. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Okay? So we need to be raised to life. Um, our spirits are resurrected. So we were dead in trespasses and sin, right? Now he's going to talk about the result of being spiritually dead in verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, talking about the enemy, and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience were ruled by the dark side back then, right? Verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. Okay, I would put lusts of our flesh in the category of perception management, putting our perception in what others think, right? Wouldn't it be great just to be free? Just to say, I am free. I don't care anymore, right? We're getting there. Conduct ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, 
right? What's Romans 12 too? We're going to renew our mind to the Word, right? We have to be born again to do this. And we're uh, by nature children of wrath, just as others. Remember, our nature, when we're born into this world, physically born into this world, our nature is dead. Death, right? We're, we're spiritually dead. Then verse 4, say it with me. But God. But God. Say it again. But God. But God. Uh, there's a good, seri- good study, right? If you're just bored and you're tired of reading the word, start in Matthew and go to Revelation and circle and study every but God you see in there. And you'll have a message series that's about 38 weeks long. Because everyone, every one of these is a magnificent life change. Every but God in the word is a life change, okay? Now listen to how his definition of who God is changes everything. Remember, dead, death, dying, need to be resurrected. Then he says, verse 4, who is rich in mercy. Somebody should say amen. Because of his great love, amen, Amen. with with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5 that even though we were still sinners, he loved us, right? He's saying it again. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And verse 6 <clears throat> Verse 6 has three sit-togethers in it. And if I was doing a study on this chapter, I would circle these three sit-togethers and understand them because you will know who you are when you understand where we are seated once we're born again and resurrected. Okay? So listen carefully. He ra- And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's one. We're sitting with him in heaven when we're born again. That's kind of a different story that if you're going through trouble, <laughs> maybe you have trouble in your worship service in the morning, okay? You have to understand that you are seated with Christ Jesus in heaven, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the boss says, no matter what the spouse says or how the children are acting, you're still seated. Even, catch this, when you're in the dark corner of your mind doing that thing that you know you shouldn't do or that you've been working on getting rid of for a long time, you're still seated with Christ in heaven. Take that to the sin corner with you. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Number one, we are seated in his resurrection, okay? That in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace. Grace in his kindness. Mm, Amen. Toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. My favorite verse, right? For by grace you have is have faith. What tenses have? Past, present, future? Past. Have. We are. Done, right? Been saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's a gift, right? Can you, can you reject the gift? Can you say you don't want the gift and do works to try to get to heaven? You can. That's not what he's saying. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. You need to just accept it and be happy, right? Let's, ju- let's go back to, to verse 6 because I want to explain this. Sit together in Christ Jesus. Three togethers in verse 5 and 6. Note our union with Christ, who we are. 
We sit together in his resurrection. We sit together in his ascension and in his present rule at God's right hand. From this place of partnership, he grants that we share in the present works of his kingdom power. We are with him all the time. Can't get rid of him. Part of the deal. Welcome to Choich. Verse 10. This is what I want to look at today. For we are his workmanship created. Circle workmanship, circle created in Christ Jesus that we're already seated with. Do you see where we're going? We are in him. We are a part of him, right? It's, it's who we are when we are born again. For, we're in these things for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created before anything happened on this earth for good works, not to do good works to earn anything for good works, right? He is speaking to Christians in Ephesus. Is there any Christians in this room today? Right? As if you're born again, you are in the family. You are a part of this deal. Let's talk about this word workmanship. We kind of rubbed on it last week, but this is imperative that you understand the word workmanship, okay? There's a definition in your notes there. It's the Greek word poema, okay? Say poema. poema. From this Greek word poema, we get the word poem or poetry, right? It says uh, the verb or poeo is to make, compare poem and poetry. The word signifies, catch this, that uh, the word signifies that which is manufactured, a product, a design produced by an artisan. Are you with me? Poema emphasizes God as the master designer, the universe as his creation, and the redeemed believer as his new creation. God created you. When you were born again, you were created a beautiful poem and a masterpiece that only you can be. I can't be his masterpiece. I got to be me because God put specific talents, specific things in you for such a time as this. God knew you were going to be in this room today. God knew you were going to be a part of this church. Your little puzzle piece fits here, right? It's not going to fit someplace else. It's going to fit here because God designed you that way. Now, there is a ton of others who their puzzle pieces are supposed to be here, and they're not here. They're someplace else, or they're not anywhere, which means their gifts and talents and the things that God specifically made their poem a, a part of are not being used, which is kind of a bummer, really, right? So number two on your, on your notes there, we are, my identity is God's work to create. My identity, who I am, catch that, you missed it, it went right over your head. My identity, who I am, is God's job to create, God's work to create. Because he is the workman who creates us, the beautiful poem, the beautiful workmanship, the poem 
that we are. But here's what we try to do as people, just human nature, the dead nature is you got to save yourself. And we try to do it ourselves. And sometimes we think God is just on the sidelines, kind of a cheerleader, right? You are kick him in the knee. You are kick him in the other knee. Get your mind out of the gutter, right? So he, and that's not it because God is engaged in his creation, right? God created the earth, right? Created the earth, engaged to do that. He created man, blew into him, right? Engaged in that, right? Took the rib out of man. I heard a guy say this week that when God created woman, he took the rib out of man, and that was the rib that had all the common sense in it. <laughs> Made the woman out of it, right? All right, easy. So, so God took, he was actively engaged, took the rib, created woman, right? Actively engaged. Then they fell in the garden. God had a plan immediately, even before that, to chase and redeem his man. Everything is about God coming after his creation, his poema, his workmanship. That's all he wants is you. That's it. And we're too busy focused on us, focused on what we're doing and trying to do it ourselves. And we're messing it up. From the beginning, God created kings. He put prophets in there. He created a, a law that Israel could follow, right? Engage God. That's all he wants is relationship with them. He guided them through the desert. He taught them how to, he fed them. He taught them how to live their stuff. Nobody died and everybody was healthy and their clothes didn't even wear out. Unengaged God. God wants to be engaged with his creation. That's all he wants is to be involved. Right? And at the right time, he created, uh, Jesus was born in the earth. Right? And he was our, 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 Example to follow in this earth. And at the exact perfect time, he was crucified, died. Then God, an engaged God, raised him, right, from the dead. And then he reappeared on the earth. Then he ascended. Then God, an engaged God, sent the Holy Ghost to guide, govern, and show us the way. An engaged God wants to be engaged with his people to fill us to guide us and most of all it's new life every day is new life you can wake up god let me represent you well today just let me be good for you today let me represent you well and let me be the poem that you created me to be that's who our god is the reason we think we're less impressive or that god has abandoned us we begin to focus on us I got to do this, and I got to do this, instead of letting God guide, guard, and govern our spirits, right? Let's talk about this word created for a second. That's workmanship, and then we're created. That word created is to make something out of nothing, okay? Created, like he created the earth, created man, right? To create something out of nothing, but catch this, the tense of this verb is only it's used exclusively of God's activity in Scripture. It's never a person's creating. It's God's creating, right? The word, Greek word created. It's in the aorist tense, which means it happened already, 
okay? And it's um, and in the passive mood, which means it happens to us as God's people, and that's it. It's specific to God's poem being created by him and only him, and that's it. That's pretty cool that God created us, his masterpiece, his poem, before the creation of the earth, put his spirit in us, and said, you go on with your bad self. Go do your thing and be you. Don't be somebody else. I can't be Wayne Gretzky, right? Would be nice. Couldn't score that many goals in five lifetimes. But I got to be me. Right? And I say that to you all the time as your pastor, because some of you are like, Pastor, you are talking some stuff. It's be like, I just got to be me, right? I, I'm, I can't be somebody else. I can't be Pastor Mike or Pastor Al or Pastor whoever. I got to be Pastor Dan, because I'm God's poem, and he said for me to do this, and this is the way I do it, right? So just kind of have some grace, right? See somebody. Somebody give her $100. (laughs) The greatest artist in the universe created you for such a time as this. You are on this earth today, right now, just like Esther, to do something great for God. It's time. It's time. Because your identity is sown If we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, that means our identity that he is the workman of, we are not. You can't go to enough school. You can't work the right job. You can't have the right house or drive the right car, have enough kids to sow yourself to Jesus if you're already there. And a lot of us strive, man. We work hard to be sown to Jesus. That's not it at all. It's already done. That, that tense of that have is already done, and we're created in that thing, right? The greatest artist in the universe considers me, all of my mishaps and mistakes and trips and falls and whatever, masterpiece. Only one other time does this happen in all of the Bible, this word poema uh, in the New Testament, Right? Only one other time God talks about something being his masterpiece, his poem. And that's Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says this. It says, for since the creation of the world, right? If, you, if you're an evangelist in the end times, you've heard this before. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. That's just funny. That's proof of the newborn life because if they're invisible and they're clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, invisible attributes, right? Which Godhead, simply nature of God, so that they are without excuse, right? Now, there's four words in that verse equal one word, right? Four words in this verse are things that are made. Four words in English, one word in in Greek, poema. We are God's masterpiece, his poem. 
The other thing in the New Testament that's God's masterpiece and his poem, creation. Okay? Creation and us. Two things God created that he calls his poem, his poema. How many, you know, we live in the most beautiful part of the world, I think, right? You see the mountains out there, right? The Wasatch Front Mountains, and um, you go up to like Park City and the beautiful lakes, and we went up to some reservoir someplace someday, a while back, couldn't tell you where, uh, and, and it was just amazing. It was all pine trees, and we're, we're, we're pulling trout out of this lake and putting them back like nothing with a fly rod. It was great, right? <laughs> We had to put them back, okay? Most of them. Yeah, right? But it was the most beautiful place, and the air is clean, and it's just wonderful. God's creation is amazing, isn't it? Right? You've been to the beach. You've been to out on a pier in the ocean, and the waves are just, and the power, right? And his invisible attributes are just amazing on this planet. God's poema, his poem, the earth. The beauty, you know, down by St. George and the red and the rocks and the national parks and all this cool stuff. I mean, it's amazing. And you look at the mountains, and right, the mountains of Wasatch, Wasatch Mountains, and it was like someday God just was creating, and he just said, Mountain B! There it was. It was like amazing, right? That's how he creates. That's <laughs> Never mind. That's how it is with our God. He creates in that way. He creates his poems and his masterpiece that way. It's amazing. How about a thunderstorm? Ever see a thunderstorm? Right? And it just rattles your whole house and your dog runs under the covers and he's like, oh, freaking out. It's like that. Just the, that's just a smidge of the power of God in action. Right, and, and Tony and Benita are back today, and Tony was really sick, and, and he was healed. And just the healing power of God, you know, we're joking around, calling him Lazarus and all this stuff. He's raised from the dead. But you look at, at what Jesus did, walked on water, right? Controlled nature, power of God. Remember where we're seated. Remember who we're with, who we're a part of. Does this change your attitude? We're too busy trying to impress people we'll never see again that won't matter, that don't care about us. Yeah. When, when the, the master who created you is like, you're seated in this place of power and authority. And you're, you're goofing around with these people. It's like, stand in there who you are. Be who you are. He calls two things poems, creation and me. And he just demonstrates his divine nature and his mighty power in both. Well, he's supposed to. I think we fall short in the mighty power part. But, but the power you have at your fingertips to lay hands on people, to lay hands on anything and, and invoke, we said it this morning, to invoke that name above every name, that just saying Jesus. But what happens is something happens and we're like, Jesus. You know what I'm saying about that? Our mentality is off. We're not seated with Christ. We're fighting a battle on the earth, right? There's, you can't be unimpressive to God because he's just impressive that you are who you are and that he made you. And you've got like Joel, for example, right? His personality can drive most people crazy. But... But 
If you think about it this way, when you think about people, maybe even your children, that he was created that way. He is God's poem. He is, and, and, you know, doctors and all these crazy people want to put all kinds of tags on stuff and make you think certain, well, that kid's weird, and this kid's this, and that, and this. And it's like created. Created to do what he does in this season. He is the best salesman in all of our company. Why? Because he was created that way. Poem. Poema. <laughs> Masterpiece. God's masterpiece, not mine, not hers, God's masterpiece. Think about your children as God's masterpiece in action. Look at what God did to that. Look at that. Look what God did. <laughs> it's amazing. And the Old, the Old Testament was written in Greek, right, uh, written in Hebrew. It translated to Greek called the Septuagint. This word poema is in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, which is a verse we're going to use in an upcoming series in a couple of weeks called Seasons, right? And it says, he has made, two words, has made, poema in the Greek, everything beautiful in its time. You're beautiful in God's sight. You are the one and amazing thing. God makes one kind of poema, and that's a beautiful Right? You may not think that because most of us, if you're like me, when I was studying through these, and it took me years to get this, and, and I still struggle in areas until I found this verse in Isaiah 29, verse 16. Right? Isaiah says this. He says, "Surely you have turned things. Surely you have things turned around." Okay. Listen to this. He says, shall the potter be esteemed as the clay, for shall the thing made say of him who made it, he did not make me? Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed him, he has no understanding? How can you say that you are junk when the Creator the master potter created you in his image, in his likeness, his masterpiece, his poema. Does that mean that you're not going to struggle? Does that mean you're going to have to fight your way to the end? Of course. We live in a dumpy, fallen world that we are only here for a small season. Then we get to go to glory. And things are reestablished. And all the stupidness going on in the earth, somebody will be held accountable someday. Right? Just remember, the next time your spouse or your ex-spouse or your boss or whoever decides to tell you how worthless you are, poema. Poema. Well, that means 35 minutes is up. <laughs> Should have turned that off, I guess. Number three on your handout, catch this. If you don't hear anything else today, catch this. Our role is to receive the created, created genius in us and rest there. Are you good? 
Our role is to receive the created genius put in us and then rest there. All about your identity. You are who you are. And you are the masterpiece. Just because you don't fit the mold of everybody else, right? <laughs> you were created this way for a reason, right? If the boss says you're not as good as you're supposed to be, I'm God's masterpiece. God has created me this way. Remember who you are. Let's all stand together. Say this with me. I am God's masterpiece. Formed in his image. He put gifts and talents in me for such a time as this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that we are your masterpiece. Created in your image. Created to glorify and praise you, Lord. To worship you. To lift our hands and say, thank you, Father, for creating me like this. And because it doesn't please people, Lord, I am going to focus on you. I am going to put my mind on Jesus. Because I am seated with him in heavenly places. And I am not going to look from the left to the right. I am going to focus on my Lord, on my Jesus. And I am going to do pleasing to him. And I am going to walk by faith and not by sight. And I shall not be moved by what people say. Because they are God's masterpiece as well. I love you, Lord. Tell them this morning, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Thank you for making me your masterpiece. I love you, God. I give my life to you this morning. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around in this place this morning. It's time to pray. If you have issues... If you have regrets, if you have problems, if you got to want to pray about your job, your family, your life, I want to give you an opportunity this morning. This in your life with being seated with Christ is your time to draw on that anointing. Let's get ready to draw on Jesus this morning. We have anointed people in this room who want to pray with you. Are you ready? If you need prayer this morning, just stick your hand up so somebody can come and pray with you. Stick your hand up high. Anybody, anywhere? Okay, I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else needs prayer this morning for any reason at all? Maybe you want to rededicate your life to Jesus. Just say, Lord, I'm done. I'm done trying to please people. I am done trying to please my spouse. I am done trying to please my boss. Lord, help me. You need help? Stick your hand up. Somebody come pray with you. This is the time to draw on Jesus. Anybody, anywhere? Anybody else? Hallelujah. Let's just stick our hands up and thank God this morning. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. God bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Honor and praise and glory be yours all over this place. Thank you, Father, that you are our Lord, that we are seated with you, that you are our God, that you have our back, our front and our sides, Jesus. You are awesome in this place. And we thank you, Lord. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the South Jordan, West Jordan, Harriman, or Riverton area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. Because of the recent events with COVID-19, we are meeting in Harriman temporarily until our new building is ready. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children and student environments, head over to thebridgelive.org, or you can email info at thebridgelive.org or simply text 801-391-6969.